Today's show is brought to you by Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash talking dead and using promo code talking dead. is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 224, recorded Monday, August the 24th, 2015. Yeah, hey, that's great. A lot of 24s in this this time. Uh, we are here, of course, today to talk about the first episode of Fear the Walking Dead, the new Walking Dead companion show. Don't call it a spinoff, right? Well, yeah, I guess. Why is it not a spinoff? Well, they're calling it a companion. It's not a spinoff. Spinoffs usually involve characters or something like that from the original show. True. Right? In this case, there's none of that. But we'll get to all that. Um, we are here to talk about that. I'm coming to you from the regular Talking Dead studio, and Jason is in the tertiary studio. Uh, That's right, time. my mom's house. That's also known as your mom's house. Uh, yep. I hope your mom doesn't mind every time you go up there, the first thing you do is sit down and get on the internet with me for three hours. No, she doesn't mind. She knows. She asked uh, as soon as I got here, she's like, oh, that show was on last night. Are you doing a podcast? Yes. Yes, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> yes, I am. That's uh, that's what we do. That's the right answer. Uh, I still hope she would, she'd would she come on, but I did get her voice on tape before we started recording, just briefly, and uh, I'll do nothing with that because I know that would upset you and her. Yeah, it would make me so angry. I would just, uh, I would pound my fists on the desks and uh, I would cry. You would cry. Well, we don't want to make... Yeah. Jason cry. We do not want to do that. All right. Well, we are going to talk about Fear the Walking Dead Season 1, Episode 1. Before that, though, I just want to point out that if you listen to our last episode, we do have this contest happening about, you know, naming what they're going to call the undead on this show. And we don't have our official answer yet because the characters on the show did not refer to the undead at all, really, on uh, on last night's episode so no winner yet but we'll keep that going and we'll figure out what the actual winning phrase is uh later on hopefully before we get to our discussion of the episode though jason i do want to talk about the ratings a little bit okay the ratings for this pilot episode are out already and they are good they are good they are very good that's excellent well what are they well fear the walking dead episode one set a new record all-time record for a cable series, a cable series launch. Wow. So it's pretty exciting. 10.1 million viewers, and that includes 6.3 in the 18 to 49 demographic, which is generally the most important. So 10.1 million viewers. Um, Like I said, it's an all-time high, and just to put that in a little bit of perspective, that beats the ratings for every single episode in the full first two seasons of the original show, The Walking Dead show. <laughs> well, I guess the original show has really pushed the viewership of this show. <laughs> You'd think. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. The season three premiere 
of the original show had 10.87 million. So just a you know, 700,000 more than this this episode here. But two full seasons, this one did better then. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I really do think that it's 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 based on the uh, the performance of The Walking Dead. Like, well, it's not just coming out of nowhere for this, right? Sure, but I mean, do you remember what the ratings were for the original series pilot? It was uh, three point eight million. No, it was five point four. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled that number completely uh, out of the air. Yeah, I, I I imagine that. Well, it was five point four million, so we almost doubled the Fear of the Walking Dead. Almost doubled the uh, ratings for the pilot episode of the original show. Now, five point four at the time was considered pretty darn good. It uh, is good. Yeah, of course that show. You know. It's had over 17 million viewers for, for one episode not too long ago, so it does okay itself. But anyways, Fear the Walking Dead, no slouch in its own right, 10.1 million viewers. So AMC's got to be pretty happy with that, I imagine. Yeah, I would be too. I mean, that's a lot more viewers than I get for my TV show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. On public access, channel 14 or whatever, right? <laughs> Well, I don't actually have a television show, so you know my viewership is theoretical. But my theoretical viewership on my fictional television show is about three hundred thousand people. Ooh, that's not bad. I was going to say your wife, me, maybe a couple other people. Uh, it's theoretical. I can do whatever I want, so uh, it's three hundred thousand people. All right. Well, that's that's not bad, man. Um, so this actual show has actual viewers that uh, just completely dwarf my theoretical viewers on my pretend TV show. There you go. Well, AMC's got to be pretty happy with over ten million, and uh, you know, I, I I imagine the ratings will. I mean, they'll drop a little bit in the second episode, but we'll find out next week. Uh, let's move on right now into our discussion of this pilot episode. So here's the description from AMC. A highly dysfunctional blended family is forced together when they realize a reported virus is actually the onset of the undead apocalypse. Wow. I'm not sure that's all that accurate, to be quite honest with you. Well, I have an issue with the the term highly dysfunctional yeah. to start. Okay. I don't think this family is highly dysfunctional. I think it's a blended family for sure, but uh, and it's got you know a problem child. But we all have you know problem children in our families. <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> what are you I know to, I am. What are you trying to say about my kids? <laughs> no, I'm talking about me. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, get your mom on here. We'll ask her. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, they report, uh, the actual, sorry, they realize it's the onset of the undead apocalypse. I'm not sure that's really true. So you don't think the realization has come yet? I'm not sure. I think there's hints. I think there's, you know, some people are thinking, I mean, there are definitely characters in the episode um, that may have that feeling, but I don't know that there's an actual realization that the undead apocalypse is starting here. Right now, it's mostly just weird stuff that you can't really explain. Yeah, I had to hit that guy with my car a couple of times. That's weird. Well, it's pretty weird. But uh, Well, let's jump right to the end of the episode. It ends with uh, Madison asking, what the hell is going on here? And and Travis responding, I have no idea. Or maybe it's the other way around. But they, they end the episode basically saying, we don't know what this is happening. So you you know that's that's empirical proof that uh, they don't realize that this is the undead apocalypse. They just think that uh, something weird is going on that they don't understand. 
they definitely don't understand it, but that's what we wanted out of this episode, right? I mean, and probably out of this whole season, a little bit of confusion, maybe a lot of confusion, and people not really understand what's going on and trying to deal with it. So I think we got that from this episode, but let's go back to the beginning. Um, We are not going to break this down in quite as much detail as we do on our podcasts about the regular show. We're going to try a little bit of a different format here and just kind of talk about it. I've got some things I want to bring up and and you probably do too, but uh, let's, let's see how this goes. Okay. So, oh, we have a caller. (laughs) It's fun when you're in the remote (laughs) recording studio, also known as your mom's house, Jason. Yeah, that's, no, that's fine. It's All just right. a phone ringing. Yeah, no big deal. That's right. All it's right. over now. It's over. It's gone. Um, the cold open. I want to talk about the cold open a little bit. So this AMC actually released this scene, uh, the first three minutes of the episode a few days ago before the episode uh, aired. So I'd seen it already. I don't know if you'd watched it, but um, I had not. I do think this cold open was pretty effective uh, as as a quick just on ramping to this new show because it felt like this character was waking up in kind of an apocalyptic environment, right? He's in this church, there's debris everywhere, he doesn't know what's going on, there's, as he discovers, there's dead bodies, like, this is a really scary environment, except when he runs outside, you know, he gets hit by a car, which is obviously scary, but it's kind of a regular everyday occurrence. Like he gets hit by a car, then the camera pans up and you see people going about their regular day. So obviously yep. the apocalypse has not happened yet. I thought it was really effective. I thought the uh, it was a really effective transition from the regular show feeling, you know, the complete zombie apocalypse to a, uh, a regular everyday you know, uh, people going about their lives, kind of thing. It was a nice transition. I thought the uh, the special effects were a little weird. There was uh, right near the end there where, when he was running. It looked like it was in reverse. Did you notice that that the the his shirt billowing in the wind and such? It looked like it was filmed in reverse. Oh. It was kind of odd. I th- other than that, I thought it was uh, a really effective transition from apocalypse to pre-apocalypse uh, life. That's weird. I didn't I didn't pick up on the reverse thing at all, but. Uh... Um, I mean, they went into sort of slow motion, right? Because he's scared out of his mind. He's running away from something he's just seen that he can't really process, right? And he's just trying to get away. Um, and I don't know, the slow motion was kind of, for me, it sort of was like he was, uh, he was overwhelmed by everything all at once, right? And everything just kind of was hitting him all at once. And that's when he got, including a car hit him. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, I had, you know, to be fair, I had just eaten some bacon and that usually messes up my senses a little bit. <laughs> so, uh stay off you know, the bacon. Maybe it was it was just me that uh, saw it in reverse. All right. Well, stay off the bacon if it makes time go backwards for you. I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> Sunday night bacon? No way. I'm not giving that up. No, I guess not. Um I Nick, so this is the character of Nick who wakes up. He's it's he's a drug addict. Did you notice when he opens his eyes right at the beginning his eyes looked really rough too? Like totally bloodshot and yeah just not not in good shape and then the first zombie he encounters is gloria who is a friend of his after he finds her downstairs in the church um she is chowing down on somebody else so she is the first zombie we see in this series right now i wanted to ask you apparently we find out later on that you know they were they were asleep together upstairs. He says, you know, she was with him. So how did she manage to turn into a zombie, not 
and end up downstairs eating someone else and not eating Nick. Um, and what killed maybe her? Maybe she got up to maybe she got up to go to the bathroom and fell and hit her head on the sink and uh, trying to hang a clock. And instead of uh, coming up with the idea of the flux capacitor, maybe she died. <laughs> maybe yes. I, that's the only thing I like. What killed her though? Did she OD on drugs? Did she? She had a knife poking out of her chest. I mean, was she stabbed by somebody? It's, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I, 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 I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think what my theory, I think you're on to the right track, though. Like, she didn't get up to go and hang a clock, but she went and probably got up in the night, went downstairs, something happened. Maybe there was some other zombie down there. I don't know. And uh, she ended up turning. Or she went downstairs to do more drugs, OD downstairs, because you'd think if she turned lying next to him, the first thing she would do is sit up, look over and say, hey, you look tasty and take a bite. Well, she would, she might think it, but I don't think she'd say it. Well, maybe not say it. Probably not. And that was, that was a, uh, that was a back to the future reference. I don't know if you got that. Hanging a clock. Yes, of course I got that. <laughs> what do you, what do you think I am? <laughs> back, Just wanted to make sure. Back to the future. It's the greatest movie of all time. Um, so I, I was wondering about that. We'll probably never know. Cause I think that's all we're ever going to see of Gloria. Uh, sort of like in the original show, you know, the little girl zombie at the beginning that Rick kills. That's all we ever right. saw of her. So True. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think they did a nice job here with the cold open is the sound design. The right. That sort of loud pulsating sound that we get as he's running away that's kind of ramping things up. Really, really good, I thought. I think they did a great job with the with the sort of the score here i mean it was almost apocalyptic in itself right and then he gets hit by the car and we're into real life but sound design was really nicely done here at least that yeah. that audio track well i didn't really notice it but uh, i'll take your word for it i bet you if you watched it again you'd notice it It was really i wish really good. i wish that i would have had the time to watch it twice i didn't have the time and uh, i also watched it in a format where i couldn't pause or mm. go back so it was just like live tv watch it and then i had to Get ready to go. Well, you did have to drive eight hours today, so. It's true. Um, and then what did you think of the lack of, or mostly lack of opening credits? I liked it. I think opening credits are overrated, mm-hmm. except for Happy Days. Uh, and I, yeah, I thought I liked the, the nice, quick, it was very Lost-ish kind of opening credits, mm-hmm. which I liked. Yeah, it was really just the logo. And sort of creator information, you know, Robert Kirkman and, and, and that's it. So we don't get an opening title sequence like we do in the original show, which I agree. I like that too. It's like, get us right into the show. Get us right into the action. Sometimes HBO shows that have long drawn out extended opening credit sequence sequences kind of get to me. Netflix does it too. And I often find myself fast forwarding them. Really? When I can. Yeah. Oh, I, I like them. Like, even the HBO ones, like uh, The Sopranos, it started with that, right? The Sopranos was uh, the Sopranos opening credits was very important to the storyline of the whole show mm-hmm. because it was uh, Tony Soprano going from New York to New Jersey, and uh, it was setting the scene for him being in the in the mafia in New Jersey mm-hmm. rather than in you know where you typically think of the mafia, which is you know Manhattan. Yeah. So that was a very important title sequence. Or even Deadwood, uh, with the, that title sequence of Deadwood was 
just forever. It was a good 15 minutes long just for the, <laughs> for the title sequence. That's long. But after a while, you get used to it. It's, it's kind of sets the tone for the show. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I don't mind the really long ones, but I, I also like them when they're super short like this or, you know, like lost. It was just that, you know, the lost logo and then you're done. Yeah, that's right. Well, I like this. Um, I do like the game of Thrones opening credits, but that's almost more has to do with the song. I mean, it's such a good song, and and I do like seeing the the different locations during that. But you know, I used to fast forward that sometimes too. Well, really, I really like the Game of Thrones opening credits. Yeah, I, I guess I'm completely backpedaling from the uh, opening credits are overrated, except for Happy Days thing. Because now that you mention it, those ones are good. Like even the uh, the Game of Thrones one, they're getting longer because they're adding more and more cast, right? So the credits are actually longer now than they were. Really, I I hadn't noticed that. I don't know. Uh, anyways, I think it was interesting that they didn't go for something here. Maybe they're just trying to different differentiate themselves a little bit from, from the original show. I don't know. Um, or this is the pilot. Sometimes things change from pilot to regular series. You know, we might get different opening credits next week for all we know. Sometimes the pilot doesn't have opening credits. Well, exactly. They don't know if it's going to be, you know, sold or not. Or or maybe we'll see different ones in season two. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and find out. But it kind of worked for me here, and uh, we got right into the show. So let's uh, run through the main characters a little bit here, since this is a new show. We're getting to know everyone. We've got Madison Clark, played by Kim Dickens. Um mm-hmm. And Madison is a high school guidance counselor. Uh, we've got Travis, who is a teacher at the school and also Madison's uh, significant other. Yes. They are. They a live together now. They just moved in together. They just moved in together. That's right. We've got Madison's two kids, Alicia, played by Alicia Debnam Carey. So she's playing a character with her real name, which is fun. I do that on this show. You do. You're right. On the Jason show. <laughs> No, on this show, the, the the Talking Dead, oh. I play a character named Jason, Good. but I'm Jason in real life. Funny, funny how that works. And we've got Nick, her son, who is the first character we see on screen. He's the guy that wakes up in the church. So that's the core family here. Um, and I, I want to just go through each of them in a little bit more detail. So starting off with Madison, she's probably, Kim Dickens is probably the biggest name actor in the show. Uh, I would say Cliff Curtis. Really? But yeah, I I know Cliff Curtis from all kinds of stuff. So I would put them on par. Okay, well maybe put them on par. I didn't know Cliff Curtis before we before this show, but I did know Kim Dickens from like um, uh, that Netflix show about the president. Um, oh my God! Come on, brain. You know the oh, one. Oh, you're you're talking about uh, House of Cards. House of Cards, and she was in Gone Girl and stuff like that. So I know Kim from all that sort of stuff. Cliff, well, I've never in heard Deadwood before. She was Deadwood as well. Well, there you go. Deadwood's yeah. your favorite show of all time. Uh, it's pretty close. Pretty it's close. Pretty darn close. All right, I should watch it someday. Sure. Um, anyways, how do you feel? Like, do you have any feelings on these characters? I think they took their time allowing us to get to know them a little bit. I mean, one of the things we wanted out of this was a bit of a slow burn, get to know the characters so that when the shit really does hit the fan, you know, we have a feeling for who these people are, for how they're going to react and kind of what it means to them that the world is ending and what it means sort of interpersonally between them. So do you feel like they they gave us a good intro to these characters in this one episode? I think uh, overall they did, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, I, I 
I thought that uh, the first episode would be very important for us to, uh, as you know, viewers care about these characters. And uh, I think that the interrelationship between these two blended families is going to be very interesting. And I thought the setup of uh, of these characters was 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 generally good. Yeah, I I think I think they did a pretty good job here too. I mean, a lot of people complained that this episode was really slow, and I really don't agree with that. I mean, not in at least not in a negative context. I mean, yes, well, they've said that about the 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 Walking Dead for years. Well, you that's know, when right. there's an, was an episode with, with only like one or two scenes of uh, you know zombie interaction. They say it's slow. Yeah, they say it's slow. It's boring. We want more action, and you just you can't win sometimes, but. I mean, this, they did sort of take their time getting going here. But I mean, when you think about it, it's really only one episode. I mean, stuff's going to start happening. And it's not like we're, we've gone through the whole season and we've been just seeing these people go to work and deal with their, you know, their family life and stuff like that. We've had one 90-minute episode. And in fact, a 90-minute episode is really only like an hour and five minutes or something. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's fair to say this is slow and if it doesn't, if it doesn't pick up soon, you know, we're going to stop watching. I'm certainly not saying that, but I did see that sentiment online. Right. Well, I, I like the introduction of the characters and I thought that their, uh, uh, their setup was compelling and I'd like to find out how that plays out. I think that in, as a pilot episode that has succeeded in what, uh, what they were looking for. Or what they wanted to do, or at least what you were looking for. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah, okay. So they succeeded in what I was looking for. Sure, but generally speaking, but but you know things we've heard and things that people have said, like the showrunners and the people involved, is that we are going to get to know these people. We're not, and this, of course, is the beginning of the zombie outbreak. Sure, it happens fast, but it's not immediate. It's it's not like there's one day everything's normal and then all of a sudden the the world is full of zombies. So it definitely is going to take some time. But in terms of Madison. You know, what I took away from her sort of character and her life is, you know, it felt like she was sort of really busy, had a lot going on. I got that, you know, that was portrayed really well. And I did feel like we're getting to know what she's all about in this first episode. You know, she's definitely involved in her family, but her work is really important to her. And, you know, she likes to help the kids at the school and do a really good job. She was the one who, once uh, Nick was in the hospital, like, She's his mother. She didn't even stay there with him, right? You know, on the when when they first got to the hospital, she had to get back to work because she was needed there. And I feel like that's important to her character. Yes, she's, you know, her family's important to her, but she's the kind of person who's really, really involved day to day at her work as well, and she wants to be involved in that. Yeah, and she's in charge. Like she's obviously in charge of every aspect of her life and pretty much everybody else's life around her. I got the impression. Well, certainly the students. I mean, she's the guidance counselor. Um, you know, I don't know if you could say she's really, really in charge of the family. I mean, they've just moved in together, right? So it's a whole new dynamic. I don't know if we know who's who's the boss in that, in that group yet, but um, she definitely, I don't know. And she, one thing I took away is that once we find out that that Nick is a drug addict. He's now in the hospital. I don't feel like Madison had a complete handle on her son's problem until later on in the episode. And that's one of the reasons she didn't stay in the hospital with him immediately. 
You know what I mean? Like, I feel like no, she, I don't well, I feel like she, she, she knew he had a problem. Like she walks in and says heroin's his drug of choice. Heroin's a pretty bad drug if, if I understand my drugs, but you know, I don't like, I think her first reaction was that she was concerned, but she kind of had a, here we go again with him attitude. Right. Which to me is like, your son is on heroin sleeping in like dr- drug dens. That's pretty serious. You're going to want to, do something about that, aren't you? It's serious, but it's not new, right? This is not the first time this kind of thing has happened. Yeah. Well, that's right. It's definitely not new, but I just feel like she was almost a little nonchalant about it, which I just found odd, but it it does kind of work with the idea that she's very focused on her job and, you know, almost equally with her family, right? Like, yes, this is really bad happening to her son, but she has other kids that she's got to help at the school. Right. Okay. I don't know. It's It struck me. That's just sort of what I took away from her sort of character type in this. Um, what do you think about Travis? He is uh, an interesting character. He's a little bit unlike Madison in that he's He's more family than he is more job, I think. That's why he was the one who stayed in the hospital in, with a guy who's not even his biological son. Well, yeah, he is. He's He very much cares about uh, Madison's kids. And uh, I would say that he is more family than uh, than job because, uh, you know, what was the first thing he did? He f- was fixing the sink. He mm-hmm. was very – that's a very family-oriented thing to, to, to fix a, a leaky sink. Well, you, you can't have leaks in your sink, man. Oh, God, no. No, you don't need that. Um, and, and I think that's a good contrast to Madison, who's, who's all about work. He's all about um, family and, and making sure everything is okay. Now, he's clearly a good teacher. We see, it, we see a scene of him in the school teaching the kids. He's able to, to bring out things in the kids in his lessons and, and keep their interest. I mean, he, he's good at his job, but I don't think it's sort of his entire life. Uh, right. Not saying that Madison is entire life, but it's her entire life. But you know, she, he's not to that same level. Um, the other thing about Travis is, I really think he sees things in black and white. He he's a real like we have a problem. Here's the solution, kind of guy. It's it's either this or that. He's he doesn't mess around. He's not the most um, emotional guy in that way. Well, he's also very intrigued about what uh, uh, what Nick is actually seeing. Right, like how much of it was the drugs, how much was uh, reality. So he needed to go investigate, which I thought was a very interesting thing. I'm not sure that I would have done that. No, I would have just dismissed it as drug addled, drug addled, brain fart, and uh, <laughs> move on. Well, that's what that's what most people sort of did when when Nick started saying, I, you know, I saw her eating someone. There was blood everywhere. They assumed they chalked it up to the drugs, but you can't blame them, really. Yeah, the guy was high out of his mind and. And I mean, that's sort of, that's no mindset to be experiencing anything in, or at least you can't, from what I know, you can't trust anything. Although I've never been a drug user, so I don't really know. Nick gives a a little speech a little later on. I'm not sure if that's one of your talking points, but uh, I mean, that that kind of points uh, Travis onto the the investigation track. Mm -hmm. What does he say? What What does Nick tell him? Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, Nick talks about, uh, you know, he's been on drugs before. He knows what the drugs do. And what he saw was, uh, you know, the three options are, was it the drugs? Probably not, because I've not seen this thing before. Was it real? 
if it was real, that's pretty messed up. And if it wasn't real, then this came from my brain, and that scares the hell out of me because I must be crazy mm-hmm. if this came from my brain. So Travis is thinking, okay, if it's not the drugs, and I'm not entirely convinced that you're crazy, so what you saw might be real. So I better go find out. Yeah, which I thought was a very good. It was first of all, it was a fantastic scene by uh, Frank Delane. I thought he did a masterful job of that speech. I really, I wanted to call it out and uh, highlight it. I really enjoyed that speech, mm-hmm. and it was important to uh, to move the plot forward for uh, for Travis to go investigate. Yeah, for sure. I I, I agree with you. I think um, I think the acting generally in this episode was really good, and it's interesting um, that they they kind of told this story through the eyes of a drug addict who is a rather unreliable witness, right? Um, Like you said, he's either, you know, it's either the drugs, it's either real or it's I'm insane. And uh, uh, Travis is the only guy who thinks that maybe you're not insane and maybe this is actually happening. But the the way it plays out, everyone else is like, well, you're just crazy. You're, You're a drug addict, you know. Why should we believe anything you say? Yeah. But I think it's an interesting choice to play this through the eyes of a drug addict because it sets that up, right? It sets up the whole idea that everyone's going to dismiss him as either his brain is full of drugs or he's just a crazy person or both. Right. So I thought it was a clever way to to do the episode. But um, back to Travis. Yeah, I was saying I think he's kind of black and white in the way he sees things. And... um, I, that occurred to me when they're sitting in the car on the highway scene in the traffic jam when, you know, we don't quite know yet what's happening up up there uh, with uh, the paramedics and so on. But he tells Maddie or Madeline, they call her Maddie on the show, he promises that he'll drag Nick to rehab and get him clean, just like it's that easy. Like, I'll handcuff him to me and I'll take him there and he'll be good. Right. <laughs> right? Because I'm saying that, like, that's his solution to the problem. It's like, we need him off drugs, we need him clean, so I'm going to get him clean. Like, Right. Like he can just do that. So um, I think there will be other factors involved in him getting off the drugs in the upcoming episodes, like, you know, zombies everywhere in the world ending and not having access to the drugs anymore. But yeah, well, we saw that happen in Lost too, right? With Charlie. Oh, yeah. He uh, he was a heroin addict and uh, he was all excited about being on an island where uh, he could get clean because where the heck are you going to get heroin on a uh, on a weird island? Well, with that island, you never know. There could have been heroin all over the place. Oh, that island did have heroin in the in the uh, oh, in yeah. the statues. It just kind of came out of the sky for him. That's right. That's right. Ask for some heroin, and you shall receive some heroin. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right, um, Alicia, the daughter. So she's a student at the high school where her mom is the guidance counselor, and her uh, stepdad is a teacher. She is the one who has her shit together more than anybody, really. Mostly, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, well, amongst the kids, uh, and there's really only yes. the two kids that we've we've met so far. We did meet Travis's uh, biological son from with his ex-wife, but barely at all in this episode. Anyways, Alicia has got her stuff together. Um, after one more year of high school, we learn she's heading off to college somewhere, and we find out she has a boyfriend named Matt. Matt. That seems like a nice guy. Um, the sort of arc of her character as it relates to Matt in this episode is that they hung out a bit. She was supposed to meet him at the beach and he doesn't show up and she texts him, you better be dead. 
Right. So <laughs> I kind of feel bad for Alicia because, you know, she's got things going okay in her life. And we know what's about to happen. We know that Matt probably is dead or at the very least not in good shape. And I feel bad that things are not going to work out for her so well. So, yeah, I was thinking, uh, poor Alicia, you are not going to Berkeley next year. There's just no way. Well, if she is, it's not to get an education. No, yeah, she won't be going to classes. She might end up there Mm -hmm. uh, for a little while, but uh, she is not attending Berkeley. Yeah, no, she's definitely not going to Berkeley. And that's why I felt bad, because she has plans, right? I mean, the adults, they have jobs, they have careers, they have each other. That's fine. They're, those things are all going to, or the jobs anyways, are going to come to an end. But I mean, a, a job necessarily isn't something you really need in the zombie apocalypse. It's better to have survival skills and things like that. And that's fine. We'll see how that plays out. But Alicia, she's young. She's got her whole life ahead of her. Everything is going well for her, more or less. And now it's all going to end. So I was bummed out by that. Yeah, well, you think that the zombie apocalypse uh, is going to be harder on her than anybody else? Or just is more disappointing for her? More disappointing, not harder. It's going to be hard on everybody, but I'd say a little more disappointing. Don't you think so? So, yeah. Well, you know, on on some level, I would agree. So, like, for you and me, if the zombie apocalypse happened, like, eh, whatever. You know, we'd probably die, and that'd be the end of it. Or I would. I don't know about you. Oh, I'd probably. But, uh, But, you know, your kids have their whole lives ahead of them. That's right. It would be too bad if they had to grow up in the zombie apocalypse. Exactly. I feel much worse for them than I would for me. And frankly, probably none of us would survive because what am I going to do in the zombie apocalypse? It's hard to survive with kids (laughs) in real life. (laughs) So it's their fault. (laughs) So blame your kids. (laughs) No, I can't do that. Um, And then, you know, we've talked about Nick a lot. He, of course, is the son. He does heroin. He's... um, uh, and his drug problems, you know, are are bad. And I really feel like, oh, you know what I made a note about him? His, apparently, drug use runs in the family. I don't know if you caught it, but uh, there's a scene where Madeline and Travis are back at the drug house and they're going to look for, uh, look for Nick after he's fled the hospital. And Maddie says, it's in the genes. So I think maybe there's sort of drug use in her family in the past. Right, probably maybe her husband. Maybe her husband? Yeah, who who knows? I don't know. Um, but Travis also tells her that Nick's problems aren't her fault, right? So Oh, I see. So maybe it was her family or, yes, I, re- I do remember that. So maybe it was her. Maybe. I don't know. That would, that would be interesting for sure. And it could, I mean, it could explain her reaction a little bit where, uh, you know, I was saying she seemed concerned, but she also, I also felt like she had a here we go again with this kid attitude. Maybe if she thinks it comes from her or it comes from her, like his father, um, I, you know, maybe that's why she's sort of explaining it or that's how she justifies it to herself. It's like, it's in the family. What are you going to do? <laughs> but, you know, now that I've said that, I still think, I still feel like that's the kind of thing you're going to want to deal with, not just let it run its course. I don't know. That's true. I, and I think Frank Delane did a fantastic job of making me believe that he was a uh, drug-addled teenager because uh, he completely sold me on it. I thought he did a great job, the whole episode. You think uh, you think Frank was, was sort of the best performance in this episode? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, by far. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, uh, uh, Alicia Alicia Clark. She bar- really barely was in the episode, in my opinion. Uh-huh. And I don't. And I think uh, you know Kim Dickens and Cliff Curtis. I think they're great actors. I've liked them in the past, but uh, I kind of agree with some of the um, uh, some of the uh, the reviews that came out that we talked about last time. In that uh, these two great actors weren't given a lot. Uh, to work with and i i kind of agree with that i think that uh their dialogue and you know what they were given as far as script goes was good but i think uh frank lane got the best lines and the best uh the best part of the script to work with and i think he did a masterful job of bringing it onto the screen for a young actor for sure for anybody i thought it was great just hands down that's it I agree with you. You know, I, I think Frank Delaney did an amazing job. I don't agree that Kim Dickens and Cliff Curtis didn't have as much to do in this episode. I mean, they had to portray a couple who who are are just embarking on a new stage in their life, moving in together. They're really in love. You know, they have these two families coming together. And we find out so much about their character in this in this episode that uh, that I, I don't think they're... I don't think there was any shortage of things for them to do as actors. Uh, I, I agree with you to a certain point, but I think that uh, their dialogue could have been a little bit better or even meatier, just something to, to sink your teeth into. There was uh, there was interactions between the two where there was just one-word questions with one-word answers, and I don't have examples to back that up. I wanted to go back and rewatch this, but I didn't have time. But there was a point where it was just like they were about to get in the car, and, and Travis just goes, home? She goes, yeah. Yeah, but that's real life. That's the way people talk I, I know it's other. real life, but I just you know, that just was an example of uh, of something I noticed throughout the uh, throughout the episode that I think that it was fine, but a lot of their dialogue was perfunctory and not really. Uh, I don't think they were given the quality of uh, script that Frank Delane had to work with. Well, okay, maybe not, but it's a different kind of thing. I mean. Uh, yeah, Cliff. I'm sure it'll come out later in, in in you know subsequent episodes that they'll have much better stuff to work with. Sure. But I just I, I thought it would I, I it reminded me of the reviews that we covered in the last episode. Yeah, and I, I kind of agree with those reviews. Yeah, on I, their on the script. Or there was one review in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean I I see what you're saying, Frank. I mean, Frank had to portray the most. He was the guy who had to portray sort of the crazy person and try to convince everyone about what he saw was real and so on. But I just think they were doing different things. I mean, that's what Frank was doing as Nick. Cliff and Kim as Travis and Madison, they were just trying to portray a, a new, not a new couple, but a, a, a strong couple who who know each other and who've lived together and or who are about to live together, but who have been together for a long time. And, um, you know, they can... They're at a point in their relationship where they can they can get in the car and he can say home and, and you know, they know they have that kind of unspoken communication that longtime couples have. OK, so I agree with you on that because I'm just <laughs> thinking back of conversations I've had with my wife and uh, you can say a lot by just going, eh. That's right. That can mean uh, if you're getting up to go to the kitchen, can you bring me a drink, please? Drink? (laughs) (laughs) Drink? (laughs) Yeah, that works. Okay. All right. You've you've won me over. I mean, they were different, right? It was different. They were giving different uh, or doing different things with the dialogue. So I think they were fine. And I'm pretty sure uh, Cliff and Kim and everyone else will get their moment to shine um, as 
we see more episodes of this show. Okay. And hopefully when they do, it doesn't mean they're about to be killed off. Well, no, there's a main, well, oh, one of them's going to die. Sorry. Well, let's, let's talk about that in a bit. I, I, I do think that one of the two is going to die, but at, at the end later on, let's, let's throw down some predictions about who of the four main family members we think will not survive the season, but let's do that later. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Any, anything else you want to talk about, uh, about this episode? I got a few more things. Uh, I think that covered actually the only other thing I wanted to talk about was when that kid came in with the knife when he got went through security mm-hmm. he got through security with that uh, with that steak knife and she um, and Madison uh, brought him into her office and said give me the knife and then she put the knife in the drawer yep that was Tobias Tobias so we had both uh, a Cassandra situation going on as well as Chekhov's gun. So I'll explain that. So Cassandra being the mythological Greek uh, character who was cursed with the knowledge of the future, uh, but nobody would ever believe her. Mm -hmm. So she knew the future, but nobody ever believed her. So uh, Tobias came in, said this, some shit's going to go down and nobody believes him. So he's the only, he's, he's the prophet. He's the Cassandra. Uh, he is foretelling the downfall of society and the uh, the debt disastrous future, but nobody believes him. So he's stuck going to school. So what does he do? He brings a knife to help protect him. And what happens to that knife? We spent a lot of time uh, having a shot of that knife and exactly where it ended up. We know exactly what drawer that knife is in. So that knife will become apparent and will get used by Madison Clark. I figure in, if not the next episode, the one after that. I think you are, have hit the nail on the head there. I think you're absolutely right. They talked about that knife a lot. That kid was interesting. Um, he was the only one who acknowledged the fact that this was happening in more than just the local area, right? Yeah, and the news is suppressing it. So there's no news about this. So the powers that be are not disseminating the dire nature of uh, of what's going on. Wait a minute. Where did you pick up on that? Because didn't he say they're say- it's they're saying that it, they're not related? So he's he's reading that somewhere. Uh probably the internet. Well, yeah, she- <laughs> probably all over Twitter. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I think I got uh, somewhere. I got. Uh, see now I want to go back and watch the episode again because uh, somewhere I was saying the news there's nothing on the news about what's going on well he was saying that it's in five states but they're saying they're, that it's unrelated and then Madison does say you need to get off the internet so much so you, right. you could be right there's there maybe the major news um, outlets are not reporting the whole story but like you said in the modern age we have Twitter and so on where Reddit would be all over this <laughs> like it would just, it would be like the it would, Reddit would go down by the sheer number of people uh, putting in, you know, notes on this kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe Twitter's the same way though. I mean, in in real life, if I want to find out what's going on, you know, at a moment's notice, I go to Twitter. I go to Reddit. Really? How do you yeah. know where to look on Reddit? For example, I, uh, let me... search, or Reddit news slash news. But what if it's like local? Oh, I don't know. For for example, I'll give you a really quick example. Last week, um, I was putting the kids to bed, 
and the window was open. And suddenly one of my daughters realized something smelled. She smelled it before I did. And and I said, what does it smell like? And she said, it smells like fire. And then I smelled it. And for a moment, we got freaked out because like, oh my God, is the house on fire? Is a house nearby on fire? What the hell's going on? So I closed the window and I went in a different room in the house and I sniffed and I couldn't smell anything. So I went back out. I went outside and smelled and it, the de- fire. I mean, the smell was definitely outside. So the first thing I did is I go on to the, the well, I go on to a quick news website, nothing. I go on to Twitter and search for like smell and my neighborhood and immediately comes up information that there's a grocery store like four blocks from me that's on fire. <laughs> which, which grocery store? Uh, it's it's a grocery store called Pusateri's in Toronto. Oh, I see. And it was on fire. And we knew this because some people were tweeting that there's a, you know, three alarm fire at Pusateri's at this intersection. And I'm like, okay, well... At least it's not my house, and I hope everyone's okay, but that's what smells. And what was the point? The point is I got it from Twitter. <laughs> right, and you're wondering how I get that kind of information from Reddit. Correct. The answer is I don't because I don't care what's going on around me. Yeah, but if you smell the fire somewhere, you might want to know. Well, I don't think so. I'd be like, something's on fire. Oh, well, better go watch TV. <laughs> better make sure it's not my furnace or something. There was uh, The other day there was like uh, sirens and noises for like an hour just co- almost constant that I could hear in the distance. I, I didn't care. <laughs> yeah, well, sirens you hear all the time. We live in a big city, man. But I'm telling you, when you smell fire, best to investigate. Let me, let me give you that life tip. If ah, you, somebody's burning leaves. If you smell fire, just check it out. I don't want you to burn your house down someday by accident. I'll I think, probably won't. I, I know, I know. It's because from now on, when you smell fire, you're going to go investigate. <laughs> I never would have thought to go to Twitter. It wouldn't have even occurred to me. Well, that's where you that's where you get the the, the latest news. Anyhow, let's move on. Um, the only other thing I wanted to say about the family in this episode is that they seem to be setting up a fair bit of tension amongst all the family members, and that maybe that's to be to be expected when you know people are moving in together and stuff like that. But I mean, I felt tension between Madison and her kids because a new man is moving in. I felt tension between Travis and Madison's kids because he's the new man. Um, There was tension between Travis and his own son, Chris, who we didn't get to see very much in this episode. But, I mean, Chris is supposed to come over and spend the weekend with his dad and wants to have nothing to do with it. And then there was even a hint that there's something going on between Chris and Nick, even though those two characters didn't interact at all in this show. But Chris says he doesn't want to come and support his, like, stepbrother. He's not my brother, he says. Right. So there's definitely some harsh feelings there. I figure, you know, this is all going to kind of work itself out because they're going to be forced to come together and there's going to be a mass, like, you know, realignment of this family when they all realize that they're struggling in the same zombie apocalypse. Uh, yeah. Well, it would be horrifying if they were struggling in different zombie apocalypses. But, <laughs> you know, they, they will be uh, in close proximity, I'm sure, and yeah. have to, you know, live together or die alone. Yeah, we don't want them to die alone, but somebody is going to die, I'm sure. Um, And then let me ask you about this scene. Do you remember at the beginning when Travis is fixing the leak and then the phone rings and it's the call they're getting that Nick is in the hospital? Yep. Why were they so obviously worried when the phone rang before anyone had answered it? It's like they were standing in there expecting bad news. 
I didn't I didn't understand it. I I pick I like it bothered me both times I watched it. The phone starts ringing. Like they're all happy because he he fixed the leak. He saved them three hundred bucks. And then the phone rings, and everyone's like, oh my oh my gosh. And even Alicia, who's in the bathroom wearing a towel, comes walking out into the kitchen and like gives everyone a worried look. And then you know she answers the phone, or he answers. One of them answers the phone. But I'm like, they. What are they worried about? Like it's a phone. Phone rings all phones ring all the time. And well, they, I didn't well get a couple it. of things. One, maybe they know that Nick is missing and that uh the fact that the phone rings cuz well, first of all, who phones anybody anymore? But he just texts or emails. <laughs> Only the hospitals or the police phone you. Is that what you're saying? Every time my phone rings, it's like, "Oh my god, what's going on now?" <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not the hospital or the police every time your phone rings. The, when my phone rings, there is a an eighty five percent chance that it's a telemarketing something or other, mm-hmm. uh, and a ten percent chance that it's my wife, and a five percent chance that it's my mom. So when my phone rings, because I can the fact that the people from work or something else like a doctor's appointment reminder or something else that stuff happens so rarely that I just even factor into the percentage. It's within the margin of error. Right. So uh, <laughs> when my phone rings, eighty five percent of the time is like, ah, oh, crap. What am I going to deal with now? And then when I see it's my wife or my mom, I'm like, okay, now I can answer the phone and enjoy myself. But usually when my phone rings, I get that feeling of trepidation. Now I got to deal with a telemarketer or Have we come something. this far into the digital age and, and in terms of other ways of communication that phones are now an omen of bad news? Phones ringing? It is for me. That's crazy. You might be onto something there, though. Do you have a home phone still? Yes. Do you, when it rings, is it good news? Well, when my <laughs> home phone rings, it's either telemarketer, which we don't answer because we have call display, or my parents. <laughs> and I don't mind talking right. to my parents. Um, and my cell phone, yeah, um, when it rings, it's almost always my wife. So if it's a number I don't recognize, I don't even pick it up. Okay, so if uh, 90%, if your parents were at your house... And your wife was at your house, and the phone rang. You would probably think it was either a telemarketer or bad news. Yeah, it might be somebody from work, which, let's be honest, is probably not good news. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the line of work that that I do. So, uh, yeah, okay, I think you may be onto something here. Phones ringing are bad news. A phone, uh, a phone is a terrible way to communicate. In my humble opinion, it's always been a horrible way to communicate with someone because it's such an interruption. It is a demanding device that says, "I need you to pay attention right now to what is ever whatever's happening on that phone." Email, texting, that kind of stuff is asynchronous, uh, or even messaging on Skype or whatever. You send a message. It's not meant to be immediate. In my opinion in my uh, in my the way i use it other people think it's immediate if you don't get a reply for text in the next five seconds you're going to get mad at somebody that doesn't factor into my life uh so i've texted you i know what it's like to be on the other end of that yeah so sometimes <laughs> i don't have my phone with me all the time i'm not uh, one of those people that have to carry it around with me all the time did you know that 85 percent of people carry their phone in their hands all the time 85 percent a lot of people that's when they, they took a poll. Where do you uh, how do you how do you carry your phone? Is it in a pocket? Is it in a holster? Is it in your car? Most of the time, it's in their hand. That's ridiculous. Mine's in my pocket most yeah. of the time. 
sometimes I leave my phone in the car and don't realize till the next morning. Hmm. That's a long time. <laughs> it is. That never happens to me. Well, okay. So you've sort of explained why the phone would possibly be bad news. On top of that, maybe they are feeling like, yeah, Nick didn't come home last night. So this is probably the call about where he is. Right. So, uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Another thing that bothered me about this episode is when Nick is in the hospital and he's just there with his sister and she's feeding him jello. Yep. Do you know where I'm going with You're- this? Well, you were talking about tension earlier, and I was going to bring up the sexual tension between uh, the brother and sister. What the hell? There was <laughs> there was way. I, okay, she maybe, cuddled right up to him and then fed him, and then he stroked. Granted, his hands were tied, like his hand. He was restrained. Oh, I'm not saying that was that was unusual. I mean, if your hands are restrained, someone has to feed you. I mean, it's usually going to be a nurse, but like if someone's visiting you in the hospital, like maybe they'll feed you. You know, my wife would feed me if I was in the hospital and I couldn't do it myself. With your sister? No. And that's why I think it was weird. I wrote that down. He reached, she's feeding him. I can, I can kind of get past that. That's fine. But he reaches out and caresses as much as he can and caresses her wrist while she's doing it. I mean, this is weird. They're close as siblings, sure, but I would never do that with my sister. Well, and, and my sister, true. my sister and I are are. I mean, we may not be the closest of siblings, but we're fine with each other. We get along just fine. And you know, she would come visit me in the hospital. She might help feed me Jello, but I wouldn't caress her wrist. That's weird. It's a little weird. Like, am I? Are am they I, twins? No, not that I know of. I don't think so. Well, maybe if they're twins, they were super close. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a little weird. Like, I'm not being like hypersensitive here, am I? Like, no, I thought th- I thought so too. I was going to bring it up uh, when you were talking about tension between uh, people. Then I thought that maybe it was just in my head that because uh, since you didn't bring up the tension between the brother and sister, I was thinking, okay, maybe I was just making that up. But now that you bring it up, I, I uh, you know, my fears about bringing it up are gone. <laughs> yes, that was weird. Like, like it's a it's a whole different level of tension like you know between everyone else it's just like it's situational tension right like they're moving in together so uh, we're we're nervous about this it'll probably be okay but you know this is all new this is like brother and sister they've known each other their whole lives and she's concerned for him i totally get that they have a good relationship that's great but that's weird <laughs> it's just weird how they they sort of interacted there so i don't I know, don't know. Uh- well, see, with twins, you have uh, Jamie and Cersei Lannister. They're pretty close. Okay, different. <laughs> Very different and much more upsetting. <laughs> you know, twins are close. Yeah, okay. Well, let's... In that, in that show. I don't want to, you know, you know, paint a whole society or a whole, you know, fraternal twin issue here. But uh, in Game of Thrones... Jamie and uh, Cersei Lannister are close. I want our listeners to to write in uh, and let us know if they think if they agree with this or not. If they think it was weird, or if they think it was just a touching moment between siblings who happen to have a nice, close, healthy relationship. I I think it's weird, but I want to know what everyone else thinks. And if they are twins, if if it's a twin thing, I don't know. I I, I don't know if we. I don't think they are twins, but I'm not sure we'll be able to find out anyway. So let us know what you think about that. I think it was weird. Jason thinks it was a bit weird. And uh, I don't know. Unless uh, they were twins. Unless they were twins. Maybe that explains it. I, I don't know. 
Uh, all right. How about when Travis visited the church? So when he's trying to find out what Nick is all talking about in the hospital bed, the first thing he does is get a flashlight and goes to this drug church in the middle of the night. It's dark and he's creeping around in there, not know what he's going to find. Um, he, he, well, he, he knows that he might find a, a monster that eats other people. And at the very least, he might find other drug addicts and or criminals. Not that drug addicts are always criminals, but you never know what you might find in a, in a place like this. And he decides to go do it in the middle of the night. I thought this was a poor decision and kind of dumb. Well, if you're going to go to a drug church, do it during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first recommendation, if you are going to go to a judge drug church at night, don't. wasn't there a, a scene where he reached his hand into a blanket to pull something out? A book? Or is that later on? Oh, when that was the, later on. When, when okay. he goes back there after Nick escapes from the hospital and him, he goes with uh, Maddie to go look for him, basically to see if they can find Nick. And that makes way more sense to me. At this point, he's missing, so they're looking for him. So they go to where he was, you know, last seen kind of thing. And it's during the day. Everything is okay with that. It's it's going there by yourself at night and just sneaking around, which I thought was was just contrived, you know? Was was that when the when the, the person jumped out from behind the door? Yes. Okay, that was just that, – that I didn't like. I don't like that – you know, we've said this before about the Talking Dead or the Walking Dead is that uh, that uh, cat jumping out of nowhere scare surprise <laughs> thing yeah. just drives me batshit. I hate that stuff. We would never do that on this podcast. We would never have a jump scare on this show where someone jumps out from behind a door. That's, that's true. It's cheap and – yeah. That's not the kind of scares we're going for. The kind of scare that I think that I liked was when they did go to the church together and she reached into the blankets and pulled out that book. Uh, when you go to a drug den, you don't reach underneath like pair of stuff because you're going to get stabbed with a drug needle. Yeah. That's not good. Well, so almost- you, you pull things away gingerly so that you don't get uh, jabbed with needles and various par- paraphernalia and you wear gloves and things like that oh yeah yeah gloves too right be good. um anyways i thought it was it bugged it bugged me that he went there in the night and you're right that junkie behind the door it was it was almost comically ridiculous like he he somehow uh travis somehow kind of knows he's there so he opens the door and then the junkie's just like ah, shaking his hands around and yelling <laughs> like don't don't kill me don't hurt me and then runs away and that's it i it was dumb. And then Travis is in there all alone and he's yelling like, hey, is anybody here? It's like, look, dude, I know you don't really know there are zombies yet, but keep it down. <laughs> and I am i don't know. It, it kind of bugged me. When they went back later during the day, totally made sense. I think maybe we could have staged this better somehow, though. But I guess we needed Travis to get a little bit more evidence that something here was going on, right? And that's that's yeah. why he was there. Um, two more two more things I want to bring up. One is the highway scene, um, which is really where we get all of the information we have about zombies or what's going on or what's happening to people. First, Travis and Maddie are stuck in the traffic jam, and they they have to get out of there. And we see helicopters, and they're being told to stay in their cars. At this point, we don't really know what's going on, but something bad is happening. Right, and I thought that was a pretty good scene. 
Yeah, except for the fact that uh, when they were they were driving along at normal highway speeds, and then all of a sudden there was a slowdown and a stop. During that entire slowdown and stop and potential lane changes, he was Travis was turned and having a conversation with his uh, with with his girlfriend. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're driving along the highway and all of a sudden something happens where you need to you know, use emergency braking procedures and figure out lane changes and there's flashing lights and stuff. Does your conversation continue as normal well, with your wife? No, not in real life. But are you sure that's not a nitpick? It's pretty nitpicky, but it kind of bugged me. Yeah. I know what you mean. I thought of it you too. You stop the conversation. You pay attention to what's going on. You have a whole spectrum of responsibility outside the windshield. So, you know, pay attention to that, especially when there's emergency vehicles and you have to stop quickly. Mm-hmm. Don't just, you know, casually step on the brake and continue your conversation with the person next to you. <laughs> well, you know, they're at that point in their relationship where they can do that. <laughs> it's not a relationship thing. It's I a know. safe driving thing. <laughs> I know. Be a safe driver. Don't crash your car. Pay attention. Uh, what I liked about the scene, though, is it didn't tell us very much, right? We yeah. don't know what's going on at that point. Now, cut to the next morning when they're all watching the footage on the news. But I think it was a clever way to kind of, to, uh, just a clever way to to reveal that, right? It yeah. would have been, I, I feel like it would have been really dumb if Cliff had gotten out of the car and like was able to run up to see what was going on or something like that. It would have put him too much in the center of the action where they need to be bystanders at this point. They're they're not anyone special. They're just people caught in this traffic jam and they get out of their car and are immediately told to get back in, right? We don't need a hero moment of somebody running up going, oh my God, and pulling a zombie off a guy and saving his life or something, right? I'm glad yep. they didn't go for that. I agree with you. I thought this was a, a good way to uh, to show that information. Frankly, that would have been a more Rick Grimes thing to do, right? Not just because he's a cop, but but because he's more of a hero take control character. He would have been the guy running up to help. And these are different types of characters. These are people who are just everyday regular school teachers and guidance counselors who may not run into, you know, the center of a of a crisis and try to do something. Besides, they were trying to have a conversation. <laughs> You're really stuck on trying to talk. It's like <laughs> something's about to happen there. There's helicopters overhead, but we need to say what we're about to say right here. We're having a conversation here. Do you mind? <laughs> yeah. Do you mind? Um, and then when we see it on the news the next morning when everyone's back at school, um, I do think it was interesting. One of the teachers in the school who's gathered around the phone or whatever, or the iPad that they're all watching it on, he he mentions that the news is saying things like airborne toxins, poison water, or viruses. So they're just sprinkling out little possible causes there, which I think is interesting because The Walking Dead doesn't do that that much. No, and uh, it it didn't mention a meteorite from outer space, which other Thank zombie God. <laughs> shows talk about, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's a space virus. Space virus has always struck me as the dumbest of all the potential causes. Why is that? Because it's a space virus. <laughs> And what, I if don't know. A, what if it's a malicious space virus? Oh, well, yeah. From the Andromeda galaxy. It's a uh, malicious deep shade of the color blue that's turning us all into undead monsters. There you go. There you go. Uh, but I think this was a, a clever way of revealing this information and also an important scene because it's really the first time that everybody, including Madison, starts to realize that 
something is wrong and maybe Nick might have been onto something. Yeah. Right? That's that's where we've gotten to at this point. Um, and then the last thing I want to do is talk about the character of Calvin a little bit. Cal. Was it Calvin? It was Calvin, uh, right? Calvin. They called they call they called him Cal a lot. Uh, but anyways, he's a guy that they go to when they're looking for Nick, they go ask him if Cal's seen him at all. And at this point, he seems like a real upstanding, good guy, possibly a former student of theirs. And then we find out that he's actually Nick's drug dealer and into some bad stuff. Yes, I thought that was uh, that was very interesting. Um, I liked it. I mean, I liked it the way they sort of did the, the switcheroo there with that guy's character. But, and he's the first guy that, that Nick was calling when he was on the lam from the hospital. He's saying, you know, what did you give me? What the hell have you done? Like, I'm losing my mind here. And then when they meet up and they drive into that uh, Los Angeles, what is it, water thing that you see in movies constantly? It's a, the LA River. Is that what that is? It's, yeah. Well, it's always dry, and it's always in movies. Well, it's there for flooding. <laughs> yeah, okay. When, it, when, there, when there's a lot of rain, it fills right up. All right. Well, all we ever do is see the Terminator going through it. and <laughs> They know. landed a space shuttle on it in some movie. What movie was that? Oh, you're right. It was like uh, yeah. Andromeda, no, uh, Armageddon, or no, it was something. I don't know. You see it in everything, but that's where they go. So I want to ask you a question about this. Calvin was... Uh, he seemed like he was really trying to help Nick. Like when they get together in that diner, at first he's kind of like, you got to get your shit together. You can't have your mom come into my house asking about what I do. And if I've seen you, that's not cool. I mean, I'm your drug dealer, man. Don't send your mom. And, uh, but then he kind of, you know, he kind of sympathizes with him a bit, I think, because he realizes Nick is losing his mind and he comforts him a little and then they leave together. But they immediately go to this this secluded L.A. River, as you call it. And as he's getting out of the car, you see the gun, and that's when Nick attacks him and ends up killing him. But what was Cal going to do? Was he going to kill Nick? Oh, yeah. That's what he was doing? Nick sent his mom to his house. He can't have his mom coming <laughs> to his house. So what he did was he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some drugs, because that's how you get a drug addict to be compliant with whatever you plan on doing. You tell him you're going to give him drugs yeah. and then you take him to the yellow river and uh, put a bull in the back of his head. That's what you do. So yeah, Keith powers as Calvin. So like, I know I uh, sure. I mean, sending, having your mom show up at your drug dealer's house is a egregious offense, but like, is it, is it enough to get a dude killed? I guess. <sighs> Maybe it's the last straw. Or maybe he sort of felt like Nick is losing his mind here. I don't know what he's going to do next. He's too unpredictable. I've got to eliminate this guy because he might he might out me. You're a heroin dealer. Your clients are going to be unpredictable well, in general. See, there you go. So then then if, it's a risk of the job. So you're going to like you can't kill all your clients. <laughs> <sighs> maybe it was a, a of mice and men kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're. You're a good guy, but you're a danger to yourself and others, and uh, I'm just going to have to put you down for your own good. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, I thought it was weird, but at the end of the day, um, Cal is the one who gets shot in the chest, and uh, Nick sort of starts to lose it. When he comes back, after this, he finally decides to call somebody. He calls his stepdad, not his mom, 
and they both show up. He brings them there, and the body's gone, of course. And this is when Nick really completely loses his mind. Like, I thought this was another really effective scene where they went into, um, like, no dialogue. Not silence, but you don't sort of hear his breakdown, and he just collapses in his mom's arms, and you can see he's just totally losing it. Like, what's going on? There was a body right here. I just shot a dude, and now he's gone. And yep. no, and nobody believes me that anything is is happening here. Yeah, no, I thought it was very effective. Um, and we sort of wrap things up with the tunnel scene um, with reanimated Calvin, and they, you know, uh, they run him down with the car. Nick does, which is is poetic justice, kind of like he's this guy is in some ways the cause of his mental breakdown. And then he gets to run him over with the car a couple times. <laughs> yeah. A couple times. It was a mess by the end of it. He was, there were bones sticking out of his arms. It yeah, was, there was a bone sticking out. That was awesome. It was awesome and gruesome all at the same time. Um, the first time I saw this, I really thought that Calvin got a bite on Madison's arm. I thought so too, but, uh, since they didn't highlight it, I, and the fact that I know she is in all of the episodes this season, that uh, that must not have actually been a bite. No, I watched it a couple more times, and she did not actually get bitten. She also had long sleeves on, so a gentle bite might not have done anything. Um, but at first, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe she got bit. Uh, I, I got bit through a coat once, and it broke the skin well, by a person. yeah. That's why I was saying a gentle bite. That was probably a harder bite. Yeah, that you uh, suffered through it, there. It was pretty hard. And then, and then the episode ends with the realization, or at least the question, what the hell is going on? And I think everyone in that scene can now acknowledge the fact that something is up. We don't know what yet, but you can't run a dude over with a car like that and have him get up and uh, try to attack you. So something's up. Yeah. When so, you when you run over somebody with a car, you expect them to stay run overed. Maybe not dead, but definitely stay down. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um overall, let's let's just recap real fast. What like do you think this was a good episode? Was it a good start? How did you like it? Was it really what you were after in Fear the Walking Dead, what you're looking for? Which question do you want me to answer? All of them. So, all of them. Yes, I thought it was a good start. I thought uh, it was a compelling episode. It makes me want to watch more, which is, for me, exactly what I'm looking for in a pilot episode. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, I agree. I liked it a lot, too. Um, I tried to keep my expectations in check for this. You know, we knew a fair bit going in. We knew that it was going to be a little bit of a slow burn. At least they were saying, you know, you're going to get to know these characters. We're not just going to drop you into a heavy-duty action sequence. And in my opinion, I think they did a great job. I was never bored. I was interested in what these characters were doing. I was interested in getting to know them. And it worked for me. And I think, I think even though we said, you and I, in a previous podcast that we want this kind of thing to go on for a while so we can really develop these characters. I feel like they did a good enough job in this episode that if they move on already and, you know, the next episode picks up with all kinds of chaos and it's much more faster paced and there's more zombies, I think I'll be okay with that. So you're ready for the shit to hit the fan. Well, I, I'm, I'm just saying that if it does, I'm not going to be disappointed that we didn't get to spend more time with the characters. Right. Okay. Do you agree? 
Uh, I think so. I'd like a little more time for confusion and not knowing exactly what's going on. I'd like to see the society break down a little bit in excruciating detail Mm -hmm. rather than it just jumping right into uh, full on uh, mass hysteria. Yeah. I think I'm okay. I'm good. I think maybe two episodes. I think the next episode should be more of a social breakdown, still not knowing what's going on. And then by episode three, it's just like, holy crap, they're all dead. Oh my gosh, they're all dead. (laughs) The world has ended. All right. Well, this was a good start. I'm I'm happy for I'm happy that this I like this so much and I'm looking forward to seeing seeing more of it for sure. I think you listeners, you should write and call in and let us know what you thought of it. We do have some listener feedback coming up shortly. But first, we need to uh I want to talk about something real quick here, Jason. I read a book recently and in this book there was some advice given. And that advice was that you should train yourself to sleep less because uh, you will be awake for more time then and therefore more productive and have a uh, sort of more healthy and productive life if you sleep less. I tried that once. in uh, Just after high school, I decided that for every – I would start off that for every eight hours I was awake, I could sleep for half an hour, which works out to be that uh, you know – one third of your life sleeping. Mm-hmm. So for every hour is a week, I was awake. I'd sleep for half an hour. I did that for a week, and then I tried. Okay, now I'm for every hour that I'm awake, I'm going to sleep for 27 minutes, and then I timed it and I tried to wean myself off of sleep. And uh, you know what conclusion I came up with? Tell me, it's complete horseshit. Well, I I gotta think this is terrible advice. I mean, you, in my opinion, the cornerstone to a healthy, productive day is a good night's sleep. And I think one of the keys to getting a good night's sleep is a great mattress. You can get $50 toward any mattress purchase at casper.com slash talking dead and use promo code talking dead, all one word. They make obsessively engineered mattresses at shockingly great prices. What I mean by shocking is that we are talking about $500 for a twin ranging up to $950 for a king mattress, Jason. Wow. That, that's, that's crazy. It's, it's crazy. A mattress these days can cost you upwards of $1,500. But Casper, you know, Casper prices them $500 for a twin up to $950 for a king. You're getting a great deal. You'll find a mattress in that range for whatever size bed you sleep on. And I think you'll be hard-pressed to find a better deal than that. Where are they made? Made in America. They are, you know, made right here at home if you're in America. <laughs> Um, and you know, it's totally risk-free it's, they ship it to you for free. You have a hundred days to try it out in your own home. If you decide it's not for you, they will take it back for free. You really have nothing to worry about. So I think that advice that I read in that book is terrible. Don't sleep less. Don't sleep less. Get a great night's sleep on a Casper mattress. For a hundred days trial, that's, uh, that's really good. I mean, you would really know if this mattress was uh, was right for you after 100 days. Exactly. If you walk into a mattress store and you lie down on one for two minutes, you're not going to know anything from that. No. How, how are you supposed to find out anything from that? You need that time in your own home to really check it out. True. So, thanks Casper for your support. $50 toward any mattress purchase. Go to casper.com slash talking dead and use promo code talking dead. Listener feedback. 
All right, it is time for some listener feedback about this episode of Fear the Walking Dead. First email here comes from longtime listener Shannon on the internet, and Shannon says, Just watched Fear the Walking Dead premiere, and while I think it it's still a terrible title, I was way more impressed with the show than I expected to be. The slow building of tension was terrific, although I saw plenty of predictable whining from some viewers about it being too slow. The little glimpses of things starting to fall apart, such as the shuffling figure Madison sees while driving to the church, were unexpectedly chilling for me. I wasn't thrilled with the multiple uh, fake scare-out attempts. It seems especially cheap given that we know the audience knows what is really happening and is expecting zombies at any second. Yeah, there was a couple of them. There was one uh, with the zombie, or not the zombies, uh, the scare jump out from behind the door, and the other one was the uh, the principal of the uh, of the school hunched over. Right. And we were right. Oh my God, is he dead? Is he dead? Is he going to turn around and be a zombie? And he wasn't. He was just listening in on. He was spying on his teachers. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. That I mean, I wonder if that's a thing in in the states or or all over that you have microphones in classrooms and the principal can always listen to what's going on. I don't know if that's a thing at all. I, I'm not sure. I've never heard of that before, but uh, I, I agree. I, I'd rather they find new and clever ways to ramp up the tension than giving a sort of uh, jump scares. The 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 kid behind the door, I didn't like at all. The thing with the principal, at least it was. A little bit unique, right? He's just slumped over. I mean, you don't know what he's doing, and uh, it didn't drag on too long. So I was more okay with that one. Yeah. Okay, Dave from Sheffield, UK writes in, when Travis was fixing the sink, Maddie was holding up a loaf of bread, and Travis made the comment that Alicia would eat, uh, would eat that as it was gluten-free. So Alicia is a possible celiac. This is going to make life a little bit more difficult when the food runs out and they only have wheat-based soups to eat. <laughs> so <laughs> My wife has issues with gluten, but yeah. I'm, she's not celiac. Well, celiac disease is when you, uh, what is it, your lower intestine or one of them can't process the gluten or something like that? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not an expert, but uh, if that's all that's left in this world... Um, Alicia may be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. You eat what is available, not what is right. appropriate for your digestive issues. Yeah, exactly. And then you got to stay near the bathroom the whole time. I mean, it's not going to be fun for her. <laughs> right. uh, but good call, Dave. Uh, Steve on the internet internet writes, FTWD, FTW. A tad too slow to get going, <laughs> but I like <laughs> that they're not confining themselves to hitting the road uh, hitting to hit, having to hit the ground running. I'll start over. A tad too slow to get going, but I like that they're not confine, confining themselves to having to hit the ground running. Rather, build a world so they can tear it down. The scene in the church, second visit, was truly terrifying. They've certainly added the fear into the series. So another, uh, you know, Steve seems to really like it, and I agree with him. Yeah, no, it uh, it was it was good. It did add a lot of fear couple of scare tactics, but generally fear. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you don't know what's going on, that's going to be the scariest part, right? Once everything settles down and everyone knows there's zombies, sure, they're scary, but you're not really like, oh my God, what's happening? Fear of the unknown is far worse. Oh yeah. In, in my opinion. Absolutely. 
Uh, James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania says, so with no established premise, I am impressed. The variety in storytelling, the acting, not to mention the amazing soundtrack. I am excited to enjoy this series as a separate world to the regular series. Well, that would be nice if it was a separate world, but it's not. T- technically, it's the same world, but I think um, I think if you consider you know, the rural countryside of Georgia, or I guess now Washington is very different than um, the downtown city life of Los Angeles. So those are two different worlds. Yes, that's true. <laughs> right? It's very true. Uh, thank you, James. Next is Charles in San Francisco. Oh, man, this was so much better than I was kind of expecting. Did you notice how in the opening and closing wide shots there were subtle but very visible planes in the sky? In the final wide shot, it also includes trains and cars. They are very clearly showing how the pathogen is spreading widely and quickly. From the early casting call descriptions for the characters, I was afraid it would be really shallow characters and very obvious plotting. But man, I'm blown away because everything is subtle and well-shaded. Did you notice this in the hospital? When the son gets the nurse to release his right hand, and then she goes away, when he drops his bedpan, the old man seems to die right away. The noticeable thing was that the staff responded immediately. And after a few shocks, the doctor says something like, get him downstairs, ASAP. It was like they already had some idea of what was happening to dying people and were trying to isolate these cases immediately. Another instance of very good tension building in the writing and directing. I figure that's why he was restrained. Because they restrain everybody. Because if you die, you don't want them getting up and walking around. Well, they claimed they restrained Nick because he came in ranting like a crazy person about what he saw. Yes, but I, I just I thought that maybe they were restraining him because uh, I, I figured the doctors and nursing staff knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Charles is kind of saying here. Like yeah. they, they, they may not know what's going on, but they've got an idea and they are isolating people. Like if people are dying, they're like, get them downstairs. Don't just leave them here. We know what's about to happen or maybe we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we have a feeling. So interesting idea. I hadn't thought about them restraining Nick because they maybe already had a hint of what was going on. Yeah. I like it. Um, All right. I pulled a bunch of comments from our Facebook page because I went on there too and asked people what they thought of this episode. Cheryl on Facebook writes, I didn't like the main characters at all. And I thought overall the episode was extremely boring. I'll give it one more try, but this show is in no way as gripping and emotionally engaging as the walking dead. Well, harsh, Cheryl, harsh, but I respect your opinion and I'm glad that you're going to give it another try because just judging a show on one episode is is not really fair, in my opinion. True. Um, By the way, Jason, side note, you should watch more Bloodline. Oh, I've seen the whole thing. I thought you hated it and you, you didn't want to watch it. But then my wife watched it and she thought it was good, so I watched it and... She watched it for a second time, and I uh, I did enjoy it. So yes, okay, I good. did give it another try. And it, yeah, the first episode did have issues, but once you get through the full uh, storyline, it is more compelling than just the first episode. All right, well, that's good. I just wanted to I just wanted to follow up on that because you said you you did only watched the first one, and as I just finished saying, you need to give something more than one episode of a chance. So I'm good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Okay, Francis on Facebook, I thought it was great and can't wait until the next episode airs. If one can imagine the apocalypse happening, this is how I envision it happening, slowly. People in denial and lots of innocents being killed through ignorance. 
because if you're ignorant, you're going to get killed. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense to me. And knowing, Claudia? Because uh, knowledge is power, and knowing is half the battle. That's right. And no one knows what's going on here. Claudia on Facebook. It was slow, but I enjoyed it. No one has a clue of what's going on. That's even scarier. True, that's what I was saying. When you don't know what's happening, totally more scary than once you have decided that, okay, there's zombies. Let's, you know, deal with that. Yep. Ariana on Facebook started off too slow. Too much dialogue and overall could not hold my attention. With that being said, I hope future episodes are better and I will give it the benefit of the doubt. Good. Very good. Alan on Facebook, it was great. It has to start slowly to be realistic. It reminded me of the first Jaws movie. It took a while before we see the beast. <laughs> Jaws took a long time. Yeah. To get to the point. <laughs> to get to the shark. Yeah, then when we saw the shark, it was we better we were gonna need a bigger boat. Spoilers for Jaws, everybody. It's a shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sarah on Facebook, totally disappointed, seems forced and mechanical, not impressed. Oh, that's too bad. Holly on Facebook. So fear the walking dead. Good. Not as much action as I thought it would have. First episode is more about connecting with the characters and yelling at them (laughs) to don't do that. (laughs) They don't listen any better than Rick's group. No. But overall, it gets a B plus. <laughs> I find that TV rarely listens to me when I yell at it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I thought that was that was hilarious. Thank you, Holly. And finally, Mike on Facebook loved it. Can't wait to see how things come together as the plot is set up. Super excited to see the formation of this group of survivors and their dynamic. I love the slow buildup. The suspense is killing me. Bring on the zombie apocalypse. I predict this show will be one of the number one shows on TV next to The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. And if the ratings are anything to go on, I think we might have two Walking Dead shows that are accumulating, you know, over time. This one's going to work its way up and they're both going to be getting over 10 million viewers an episode. That'd be crazy. Isn't that nuts to think about it? Like, first of all, it's one network. They have two shows from the same creator more or less, that are kind of about the same thing, and they're both going to be massive hit success. Yeah. I mean, we don't know for sure about this one yet, because maybe all those people that said it was too slow and boring are not going to tune in next week, and next week's episode will get like 1 million viewers. Who knows? But I have a feeling that it's just going to be like this two-headed juggernaut of TV success for AMC. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Robert Kirkman is going to roll all the way to the bank. <laughs> I think he's probably already doing that. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's laughing to the bank, from the bank, to his private island, on his private helicopter that uh, yeah. flies just above his private jet because <laughs> it's like that uh, – what's the, what's that show that we had to watch that where the helicopter flies as fast as the jet? Airwolf. Airwolf, because he's bought Airwolf. <laughs> yeah. Robert Kirkman can afford Airwolf. That's how rich he is. That's right. <laughs> well, good for him, man. Uh, if I could, if I invented The Walking Dead all those years ago, I would have been rich too. Yes. I, I guess. All right. Thanks, everyone, for writing in. Um, I just wanted to really quickly go over what's happening next week on Fear the Walking Dead. Of course, this is... Uh, mildly spoilery. All I'm going to do is read the episode title and the uh, summary of it, or the you know the one-liner that AMC puts out. So usually these are pretty spoiler-free, 
But if you're worried about that, uh, don't listen to the next, uh, I don't know, 30 seconds. You've been warned. All right, so next week's episode is called So Close Yet So Far. And the description is, while Madison struggles to keep Nick from a crippling withdrawal, Travis ventures out to find his son before the city of Los Angeles falls. Wow. So in actual fact, that feels like probably a fairly accurate description of the episode. Um, You know, Nick's going to go through withdrawal because he can't get his drugs anymore because he ran his drug dealer over with a car multiple times. After he shot him. After he shot him. That's right. (laughs) Shot and killed him. (laughs) Yep. Proceeded to run him over. Um, so we're going to have to deal with, with, with withdraw- withdrawal symptoms and Travis needs to get his son. I wonder if he's going to bring his son, Chris and his ex-wife, and then there's going to be tension between the ex-wife and the new girlfriend, or if we're never going to see the ex-wife again, I don't know. Could be either way. We will f- have to find out next Sunday on AMC. Okay. Um, that was fun. So a couple things I want to do before we end here, obviously this, episode was formatted a little bit differently than our typical episodes everybody please don't worry when the walking dead the main show comes back on we are going to continue with the format we've done for those podcasts all along we are going to recap the episode basically scene by scene go through it that way i just thought it would be a little more fun or different to try something new with this new show you know it's a new show so we're gonna try a new podcast but we also want to know what you think about it So if you hated this, let me know. If you loved it, let me know. If you're somewhere in between, um, you know, you can probably let me know that too. But we sort of want to get a feeling of of what you're thinking. What did you think, Jason? How do you think this went? I thought it went okay. uh, Is there any options that uh, our listeners should keep to themselves? Like if they loved Um, it, let you know. If they hated it, let you know. If they were somewhere in between, let you know. If they... well. No, I guess I'm probably more interested in if you loved it or, or hated it. But if you have an opinion on it, then that's that's what I want to hear, right? If you if you just don't think it works as well or or whatever, you know, there are definitely arguments on both sides, I think. And so I'm just curious. I want to know what everyone thinks. So um, so that's all I'm asking, really. I give it a B plus overall. That's a, that's a decent mark. Yeah. Well, I give myself a uh, a D for technology. I'm, I'm having technological issues this uh, this episode. Well, it's when you need to podcast and you go somewhere away from home and you don't remember to bring your microphone. That's a problem. Microphones are important. For, for what we do here, yeah, they are very important. So uh, hopefully Jason's audio quality is okay, everyone. I didn't want to mention it off the top, but the uh, the number of issues we've had recording tonight, which you probably won't hear any of because I'll... I'll cut them out, but uh, it was gonna, it was a fun one. You're going to cut me out of the podcast? Jason's cut. He's cut. He's out of this one. It'll just be me and uh, awkward silence every time I stop talking. Well, what you should do is transcribe what I said and then give the script to your wife and have her record my part. Oh, God. If there was only time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, everyone... You might want to know how to contact us. Well, it's all the same. Nothing has changed. So if you have listened to us in the past, um, you know. But uh, I'll run through it anyways. What you want to do is email talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or go to our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com and click send voicemail to record an audio message right in your browser, which will make its way to us. 
You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from everyone. If you're a new listener, for example, or by chance, and you know this is the first time you've heard of us, all of our episodes can be found at TalkingDeadPodcast.com or, of course, search for The Talking Dead on iTunes. Um, actually, iTunes, you'll get the last 50. Our website has everything we've ever done, so that's where you need to go for that. Uh, once again, thank you to Casper for sponsoring us this episode. Remember, you can get $50 toward the purchase of any mattress by visiting casper.com slash talking dead and using the promo code talking dead. That's all one word. All right, that is going to do it for this episode, everybody. Until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Where are you now? What are you doing? I'm making coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, hey, what happened? Who turned out the lights? I did. I figured I had a couple of minutes. I'm going to make a cup of coffee. Sure, that's fine. Um, That mic picks up audio a lot better than than your regular mic does. so. So more background noise? More background noise, but we'll survive. Good. I, f- I hope we'll survive. Check one, two, checking. Will we survive? I will survive. Where are you going now? Well, I got two <laughs> separate problems now. Uh, one is my battery is very low, so I'm going to plug in my uh, power cord. <laughs> oh. And the uh, second issue is that... Uh, you need to make more coffee? No. Uh, Audition just told me that my hard drive is full. So it stopped recording. Have you, you've done this before, right? I don't think I have. <laughs> Not with this current setup. This anyway. is a friggin' gong show over here. Yeah. All right. So let's do that. So I've got the first hour. All right. But that's it. Why is my hard drive full? That's what I want to know. Can't believe you forgot your microphone. Genius. Uh, okay, are you good to go? Well, yeah. Are you good to continue? <laughs> I am ready to continue. <laughs> <laughs>